Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Yeah, so here in Germany, things are starting to open back up. I think previously I would have thought of this phase more as things going back to normal. But as it's happening, it's becoming really clear to me that that's not what's happening. Normal, as I knew it, is a thing of the past for who knows how long, maybe maybe forever. So that's been on my mind a lot this week. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd think you'd be so eager and excited for things to open back up. And I am in some ways. I'm, I'm really excited about getting back to work. And hopefully soon we'll be allowed to start socializing to some extent. But it's all very limited and it's also really nerve-wracking because you never know if what you're doing is going to make the situation worse or if it's going to get you or someone else around you sick. There's also weird anxieties that I didn't have before, but after spending weeks alone, paranoid of other people, yeah, you start to become a little bit less comfortable in closed spaces with other humans like public transit or a store. So yeah, another phase of things are happening and it continues to be weird and uncomfortable like this whole situation. (laughs) But a weird aspect of this that I definitely was not prepared for ahead of time is living abroad and doing this all in my second language because, oh man, like I've gone on vacation and been not speaking German for maybe anywhere from one to three weeks. And I already usually start to feel that my language is getting a little bit rusty then, but it comes back so easily. It's not an issue. But I just went through six weeks where I barely spoke to another person in any language. <laughs> and oh man, my my German is, yeah, it's rusty. I, oh man, it's just things I know I know, but I can't seem to find the words. My mouth can't seem to make the right noises the way it could a couple months ago. Yeah, it's super strange. And on top of that, we have to wear a mask in stores and in public transit. So my first adventure out with a mask was to a bakery and trying to say what I wanted when they couldn't read my lips made me so much more aware of my accent. And so it involved much more pointing than a normal trip to the bakery would. So yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this phase of lifting restrictions feels as someone going through this all in their second language. (laughs) Which brings us to the topic of today's episode. It was actually inspired by a listener who is based in Italy. I won't say your name, but you know who you are. And thank you very much for the inspiration. A lot of us, no matter where we're living, have had to learn a new language. And for many of us, especially many Americans who move abroad, this is the first second language that we've learned. So we find ourselves experiencing what it's like to become bilingual. You know, a lot of people I know here in Europe grew up learning a language in school. And so it's a little bit of a different experience when you're doing it as a kid. But but for me, it all happened as an adult. And for many of us, it did. And so you're really aware on a meta level of what this experience is. So becoming bilingual is, as said, a topic that was inspired by a listener, and I was really excited to do it with our guest, Casey. Casey and I are both Americans, both living in Germany and learning German, but we're at different stages of the process, and so it was really cool to exchange experiences. This is an episode that was recorded anywhere from four to six weeks ago. I just say that because it feels like life changes meaning every day, week, etc. <laughs> so um, I just feel like I should just start time stamping everything. So there you go. This is from Slightly in the Past. Bring it to you now. <laughs> I hope you enjoy.
my name's Casey. I grew up in the United States in Michigan in a really small town, but then I moved down south to Nashville. I'm living in Cologne, Germany, which is on the west side, close to the Belgian and uh, Netherlands border. And what brought me to Germany is I fell in love with a German and decided, why the heck not? Let's move to Europe and see what happens. So I'm celebrating my one-year anniversary next week. So super stoked. We're going to go to this place called Bay Oma Kleinman. And they have wiener schnitzel like as big as your face. And do you think like wiener schnitzel, okay, it's basically a glorified chicken nugget, even though it's pork. But this stuff is so freaking good. I don't know what they do differently, but it's phenomenal. So we're going to go there. I like to call that the anniversary of your move. I like to call it the Gedeutschtag, which like grammatically is really cringeworthy, but I think it's funny. So like Geburtstag is birthday. Gedeutschtag is your Germany birthday. I Yeah. Trying to make it a thing. This is my fetch. This is my personal fetch. (laughs) I'm trying to make it happen. (laughs) So, alles Gute zum Gedeutschtag. (laughs) Which brings us to, yeah, the topic of German and learning German. And we're here to talk about what it's like to become bilingual. So, do you want to tell us also at what point in this whole falling in love, moving to Germany process, you actually started learning the language. Yeah, so I moved in February, and then I started my first language class beginning of March. I started with no baseline knowledge. I did a little bit of Duolingo on my phone for maybe a month and a half. I knew how to count to 10, but that was all that my baseline knowledge was. So I spent six months at my school doing German. I mean, I've learned languages. You can't see me, but I'm doing finger quotes of learning language. (laughs) (laughs) I took Spanish for four years in high school and then two in college, but I wouldn't even quantify that learning. I can't even pull Spanish from my knowledge. I know when I hear it what it is, but I mean, I can only say where is the library in Spanish after (laughs) spending six years learning it. So learning German has been a completely different experience of learning a language for me, like being immersed in it, having intensive classes, you know, having family members that don't speak English. So having to actually use it, it's a wild ride. It's a different world. Yeah, that was exactly the same for me. I studied French for five years in middle and high school. And I live 30 minutes from France now. And I literally, I can't, I, I don't even know how to get through like ordering something. It's appalling honestly and then I actually took German for two years in college for like the gen ed requirement nice that also didn't help me (laughs) I ended up so when I later then met my German boyfriend and was like okay I'm gonna start learning the language I thought I would have a little leg up and I was like oh oh no not at all like really really minimal in fact actually that same summer I started learning German I was back at my parents house for a little bit and I found the only quiz that I ever failed And it was a German quiz. And I had all of the articles wrong on everything. I was just abysmal with it. (laughs) I mean, but knowing articles is still a pain in the butt. So I I will always fail that. I will always fail article declination. I will always fail telling time. Those are my two things I refuse to learn, even though it's horrible, I need to be learning it. But um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know with the der die das in German, like the different genders. It, I mean, it just gets worse and worse the, the deeper in the language you get. And like my quick overview of my language learning is I started learning it. It's probably about four and a half years ago now. 
that I really started trying. But the first year I was doing it alone, just with like Duolingo or other apps or listening to podcasts, reading kids comic books. I got as far as I could, but that was not very far. And then I went to Germany for a summer and I was really immersed. And so there I came up, like I got a little bit further. But even after that, I was still at a two, I think. So still pretty fresh. And then it was a couple years of being in and out of classes, but getting to a point where studying alone was more productive because I actually had enough of a base that I could make some progress. And then about a year ago, I started working in German full time. And so now at this point, I'm definitely fluent and pretty confident with the language oh. too. Yeah, which is a cool, like the wow. last class I took was the very beginning of C1, which is C1 and C2 are basically fluent and like C2, there's not even classes. It's just like you read literature and whatever. I'm so impressed that you spent like most of your time doing it alone too. That is, that's astounding. I, I mean, yeah, it, it was more just like, cause I need it to, I don't know that it was honestly that helpful or productive. Like I really do think for me being in a class was, was super helpful, but still like to the, like literally yesterday at work, I was writing an email to someone and I asked a colleague to quick read it real fast to make sure it made sense. And it was almost all right, which is cool. Cause that's not always true, but the things that were wrong was still the der die das and how you, how you change. Cause they change in German depending on where they're in the sentence if they're the direct or indirect object, I get that wrong still constantly. To that point, I thought like having a German spouse would be helpful and it is absolutely not. Unfortunately, <laughs> his English is super good and that's the language that we met, which maybe you agree, but I think the language that you meet somebody is a language that you communicate in. Like oh, it's, yeah. I find it very hard to change. Right. I think some of our like biggest fights have been like me asking him like, well, why is this that way? Why this word, a female word article and not a male article? And he's like, well, that's just the way it is. And he just cannot, he can't explain it to me. And that like frustrates me to no end. Well, and some of it, like a lot of it does make sense. Like it's very rule based, but it's almost too rule based where you, there's no way that you can think through the logic behind the sentence fast enough to keep up with the sentence and then exactly. also other stuff makes no sense like you're right like why is this I do not dare like it, there's no reason it's just because <laughs> I do I will say that one thing I do really love about the language is that once you know the smaller words those big scary words actually make sense and yeah. Germans are very good at descriptively naming a word <laughs> yeah. you know yeah my favorite one ever is flusfad which is hippopotamus of English. But, but I was sitting here like trying to put it together. I was like, Flus is river. River. Fared and is, then Fared is horse. horse. I was river, like, horse. A, river horse. It's, river horse. Oh my God, it's a hippo. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. Yeah. So like there's words like that where I'm like, if you think about, if you kind of try to switch your brain of like how a German would describe it, the big scary words are no longer scary once you know the little words that they make up together. Yeah. And that's such a fun game, too. I think when you're in the process of learning that for me was one of the things that kept it exciting and fun was getting to that point and being like, it's like a little puzzle and you, you unlock the hidden code and now you know what this big long word is and it's not so scary. Or another game I would play. Oh, my gosh, I forgot about this one because so much throughout the U.S. there's so many German immigrants. And so there's a lot of things and towns and people with German last names or German names. And so I would like decode what this town actually means. And the best one to do it with is NPR. NPR has such a lineup of people with bizarre German last names, like Maria Totenberg. Uh -huh. 
is like tot is death and berg is um i can't remember if it's berg or borg but i think it's berg and so it's um like castle or mountain one of the two yeah and like that's a lot that's quite a lot last name wow (laughs) (laughs) there's a ton of german immigrants in the midwest which growing up now makes sense because all my food was based around a huge portion of meat a potato and then like (laughs) small portion of vegetables just how they eat here yeah and we actually, in, in Michigan, we have a town called Frankenmuth, and it's basically a little Bavarian town that does Christmas all year round, which now in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, this literally started from immigrants that came over to Michigan and lived in Frankenmuth, and now they've obviously appropriated it to be like hardcore German. I think all of my husband's friends somehow did their, oh gosh, see, I'm losing words, uh, <laughs> study abroad in the, in the U.S. in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Huh. There's so many Germans in Wisconsin. That's so true. You mentioned your husband's friends and their his family. So you're often, then, I imagine, in situations where you're sort of the, the person who doesn't know the language fully and that they're all talking German and you're trying to keep up. So how have you coped with situations like that? Yeah, definitely with time. Um, his mom and dad really don't know English. So getting to know them was quite hard when you had to have my spouse or his sister translate and you, you know, communication is such a thing that brings people together. But his mom would just talk at me and it actually was quite helpful that she would just talk at me and like look me in the eye when she was talking to me, even though my bestie was translating. Mm -hmm. And that's actually been one of my like high points of German is, you know, when I first met his mom, we couldn't really communicate. And now, you know, just this week, we went and had like a five-hour lunch, coffee, cake thing together alone. So now that, yeah, so I think one of the things that I cope with is just like kind of sitting through it, which is kind of a burden. My German's at a point where I can kind of sit through it now and not be bored. But Mm -hmm. I will say when I first moved here and I was with his friends, which a lot of them don't speak English, it was very hard. My first coping method, which I would not recommend, is drinking. (laughs) I would either go two routes. I would be like awkwardly shy or quiet, which is not me in person at all. Or I would drink. And it's easier to drink because it's easier to have something in your hand and like focus on. And I will say we went on vacation with them in May. So it was March, April, May. It was probably like my third month of German, which it, it was okay, but... When you're around 10 other people and they're speaking over each other and speaking quickly and you're just sitting there and your head spinning and you're like, okay, I kind of know what they're talking about, but I don't know the details. And it really was a hard week for me because I knew enough German that if we spoke one-on-one, I could understand, but put me in a group of 10 people speaking over each other and, you know, they're drinking and so their accents are stronger. It was really hard. And one of the ways I have coped now, which I think I'm in a different stage with my German and my lifestyle here, is if I'm not understanding, I can at least understand the bigger picture. I might not get the details and I can always ask Sebastian after the fact, like, hey, is this exactly what your mom was saying? Just to make sure that I'm clear on it. But just to kind of try your very best, I guess. Um, or a problem I could run into, which maybe um, you do too, is... If I'm not saying something correctly and they'll switch to English, yep. I will still continue to speak to German. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That yeah, is the biggest uh, problem. I mean, it's a lucky problem to have, but it's still quite a problem when you're trying to learn the language when people just, you stumble once a little bit and then they just switch. And a lot of times, even if you stay in German, they'll stay in English. <laughs> six months ago, I would have been so happy for them to switch to English for me. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, we can, I know we can get through this together. Like, please just hold on and try to do German with me. So. That's so true, though, because I that was a really difficult thing for me at the beginning was, you know, I'd also moved here for a relationship. And so I was trying to get to know the people in his life. And obviously, I wanted to relate to them and get to know them and like, have them like me and I wanted to like them and, and truly know them. And I just wasn't really possible. And that was so frustrating for me because it was either they're doing it in English, in which case they're, you know, a lot of them were very, very good at English, but you know, it's also limited. Or I'm doing in German and then it's super limited. Or it's these situations that you were just describing where it's a group event and there's so much back and forth that even if I can follow the conversation, I can't get a word in edgewise. And so then they think I'm quiet, right. which like you said, it's for me, it's maybe true sometimes, but it's not true in those situations when I'm in English with English speaking people. So that was something I really struggled with was like, do I push myself to get better at the language by forcing German? Or do I take this chance to get to know these people and do so in English and then later try to switch but again, like we've already acknowledged, once you start a relationship with one language, it's really hard to switch. So I think that's just such a tricky balance. And for me, I ended up having to make it a situational decision. Like some days I was like, you know what, yeah. my integration quota for the day has been a, has been reached. I'm done. I don't have the capacity <laughs> anymore. So I'm very happy to switch to English. Other days I was, I was more up for it and I would try to push through. I'm more of the route of forcing German I think I remember clearly coming home one day and I was really upset and one of the things I kind of talked about is I don't understand how they tell time I, I don't I will never get it and um, Sebastian one of his coworkers, who's like one of my really good friends Milena she's from Poland and so she's had to learn German too and I came home and they were both there and I'm like crying because I don't know it and they're like just say it how you think and they're like not even with time, but just get it out and we'll figure it out. And most people will be kind enough to at least sit through how shitty you <laughs> use their language. <laughs> and after that, it kind of was like a learning moment of like, all right, I'm just going to say it how I think it should be said. I mean, even when I write in German, I still think in English and translate it. So it may not, like the structure may not be right or the tenses may not be right. But once I kind of cross that threshold of just spitting it out, it has worked wonders as far as me being able to communicate with his friends and family. That's so true. Yeah. And I noticed that in my friends too. So much of it is a personality thing. Like the people who have that, whatever that quality is that tells them it's okay to just talk, to, to interrupt if you're not getting a word in, just, just interrupt. Take your time if you need time to formulate your sentence and just talk, even if it's wrong, even if your accent's complete crap, just do it. Those people mm -hmm. get further faster because they're getting more practice, whereas the people who are maybe technically have better German in their mind, you know, in, in their writing or what have you, if you're not getting it out there and you're not practicing, it's going to take longer. That's only the type of people in classes. It's either people like me who have shit grammatic but can get it out. And then there, there's other type who like brilliantly can write and brilliantly know like the right answer in the textbook. One thing that I did find that worked for me well in these social situations where I don't know always what's happening or I can't contribute, I do a lot of mirroring with my face to the point where 
people thought I understood so much more than I did because I was laughing at the right time, making the right expressions, going, oh, wow, at the right moments. And like, I didn't have a clue what was happening. I had not a darndest idea of what they were talking about. But but at least the fact that I didn't know what I was doing didn't isolate me quite so quickly. Whereas if I'd been sitting there stiff and uncomfortable looking, they might have, you know, noticed this sooner and tried to make a change. But, but I don't really want them to make a change. I want them to keep going because it's only through these experiences that you learn. So so this was my method. It did backfire. And sometimes I would be called out on the fact that like they would ask for my opinion on the topic and I would be like, oh, no, I lost you 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I am one of those people where my emotions are on my face at all times. So I probably looked befuddled to his friends for like the, six, <laughs> the first six months. I guess something that this brings into light is the fact that everyone really is different. And I think a lot of the game is really just correctly identifying your own strengths and playing to them where you can and becoming aware of your weaknesses so that you at least know they're there <laughs> and working on them if possible. But yeah. I, I think this is really something that's sure. quite individual. So you mentioned another high point was when you went out to lunch and coffee and cake with your mother-in-law. What about some low points? I think, I mean, it sounds like that day where you came home crying that probably counts, <laughs> right? I have cried so many tears over learning German language. <laughs> it, it's buckets and buckets of tears. I think one of the problems stems from going, like being in high school and college, I did decently okay. Like I was always in the honors program. I was always like honor roll. Never had really a problem with learning or understanding. And then you put me in a language course and I just don't, I think people either have the knack for languages or don't. I would say that I'm a don't person. And I really struggled with comparing myself in classes, which really hindered my German learning because I was so focused on probably people like you who could understand the grammatics of it. And I would just be completely confused of like, how did you get there? Because I don't get it. And a lot of my classmates were, this is their third or fourth language they're learning. This is my, truly my first Spanish doesn't count. I also struggled with, you know, being 30 and going back to school and being in that setting. You know, there were like 19 year olds coming in hungover, telling time. Like I said, I still don't understand it. And I think just missing those moments of connecting with his friends and family, like that Mallorca trip, it, it wasn't my favorite vacation because I couldn't connect with his friends that well. And it was just a real struggle to feel like a part of the group when I couldn't really communicate with them. And every day we would be sitting at the table having dinner and it was all 10 of them talking at the same time. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to interject. I really didn't follow the conversation. You know, everyone's having a good time and I just kind of felt alone. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely been isolating. But like I said, I, once I stopped comparing myself and once I kind of learned to just say what I think may be remotely correct in German, it's definitely done a 180. Another thing I think I'm still trying to truly teach myself is, especially if your mother tongue is, is English, a lot of people do understand at least some English. And so I've seen people who, when they come to a point where they don't know the word, instead of fumbling over it or getting really poetic and trying to go around four corners to, to describe the thing, <laughs> you know, they just say the yeah. English word and then keep going. So they don't switch to English. They just pop it in real quick for the sake of the flow of the conversation. And often enough, either the people they're talking to know the word or can figure it out from context. And then the conversation can keep going. Whereas for me, 
it's so much more tempting to stop and try to think of the word, but this ruins the whole atmosphere and the whole vibe and it's demotivating. So I think that's something I'm currently still trying to learn. It's hard to think of the word in English once you're in this German mode too. Like I feel like I have to like stop the trains running in my mind and like run over to this English file cabinet and fumble through of what English word I'm looking <laughs> to to insert it. Yeah. God, it's so embarrassing. Like at work now, they'll sometimes ask me for the English word of something and I, I'm, I, I just, I don't know it. I have to stop and think no. for like a long time. No. It's so embarrassing. Are you experiencing that I, the whole, like, I, your, your first language gets worse? Absolutely. And I think any of my friends will tell you I'm actually pretty bad at English as far as like <laughs> spelling or using big words or just knowing how to speak eloquently. I come through like a freaking freight train when I speak <laughs> and when I think. And I'll tell you, I was texting my friend and I sent her the word yogurt, which is spelled pretty similarly in German, but I couldn't figure out what one was the English version <laughs> and what was the German version. Uh, the last be- time I was in the States, I saw a piece of graffiti that said die, but in my head, I thought it said die, like the German feminine word for the. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, die yeah. was, the what, the what? And then I was like... Oh, 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 it's super mean. It's die. Oh, okay. That's different. <laughs> different meaning. <laughs> no, my texting is horrible now of, of English. I lose a lot of words that I'm looking for. One of the weirder things I've experienced is now my thoughts become German. Like maybe two weeks ago, I was in the bathroom and I was thinking in my mind, oh, I'm going to set my jacket here. But I out loud said it in German and it was such a weird feeling of like, oh God, okay, wow. I do this now too when I'm like speaking to people in English and sometimes the German's just there first and I don't really notice it and I just say it and my grammar's worse instead of saying like, oh, like let's go move to this chair in a cafe or something. I'll say like, oh, well now we move to this chair or we go here now then. (laughs) Like, gosh darn it. Like that's horrible. That's horrible. That's like... German speaking English poorly has now become my English. No one told me this when I signed up to learn a new language. They didn't warn me. And I suppose we have to address the issue of dreams because this is a very sensitive topic for me. I don't dream in German. I'm fluent. I've lived here two and a half years. I work in German all the time and I don't freaking dream in German. And I have thought since I started learning the language that this would be the real moment, the, the peak of the mountain, the I've made yeah. it moment. I've dreamed in German. Now it's all real. And it just doesn't happen. And it really upsets me. And people I know who are, you know, way less far along in the process of the meet dream all the time. No big deal. No, me? No. I don't know. I've tried. I've tried literally. I've tried falling asleep to things that are in German. I've tried reading in German before I go to bed. I've tried only speaking in German for the whole day and then going to bed. No, nothing worse. (laughs) But you said you've dreamt in German, yeah? Yeah, um, the first time, well, I will preface that I'm a very vivid dreamer. I, you know, my mind work doesn't work that hard during the day, but at night it's working overtime. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what it was about. All I remember was like, it was a full-blown dialogue in German. And it was definitely like words that I didn't understand. But in, in my dream, I did understand. Whoa. I woke up so confused. I was like, to the point I like woke up my husband and was like, dude, I just dreamt in German. It was so such a strange feeling. <laughs> um, I mean, that doesn't happen that often. I mean, it's maybe happened in one other time. But it was certainly strange that 
my brain has continued using the language when I haven't asked it to. And especially with vocabulary yeah. that you're not comfortable with in your waking state. <laughs> Where are those words when they need them? Yeah, right. No, no, they, they hide it from you. No, like only when they're not needed, then they're there dancing around. I also noticed my memories are really tricky now because if something happened in German, like if, if it's a conversation, I can't remember the, the wording of the conversation. I can only remember the, the tone and the overview, if you will. Even if I then try to explain it in English, I also can't do it because it, those the specific words never, I guess, went deep enough in my brain. Like I understood them in the moment, but they weren't there deep enough that I could then reflect on them later in that level of detail, which is fascinating and confusing. And I wonder if that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> I feel the same way. Like, you know, my mother-in-law, her and I had a really dynamic and deep conversation this week. And I could tell you like overall topic, but I couldn't tell you her words of wisdom. Definitely not as beautifully eloquent as she had put it. I wonder if anyone who listens to this knows if there's like research on this topic within linguistics or something, because I find this super fascinating. And for me, some of the situations where it's become apparent are stressful situations where I need to recount a negative encounter with someone to an authority. And then it's kind of problematic because I'm like, well, I really can't tell you what happened really in the detail that you need. I wonder if that'll change over time. You're talking to cops in German? Oh, you're like, you're baller. (laughs) Not not very well, but I'm doing it. I thought, okay, so we're actually running out of time, but I thought it would be fun to end with a couple funny stories. So I have um, <laughs> one one time I was at my ex-boyfriend's parents' house. We were doing chores and I was going to go mow the lawn and his dad comes in and is like, oh, what are you, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go mow the lawn. And he's like, you're going to what? I'm going to go mow the lawn. And then he just started laughing and he was like, you just said you're going to go shave the lawn. Except I think I also said the word blonde wrong. So he's like, you're just going outside to go shave. <laughs> so that was fun and wrong. And um, and then another time, my friend who didn't speak German, she was moving out and she needed to get her apartment painted as per the terms of her lease. And she was like, oh, your German's the best out of this group that we're with. Can you call them for me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. And I'm feeling like a little confident and smug that like, I'm like the person in the group who's good enough, you know, and I call them and I'm having this whole conversation with the guy. And he at some point very kindly points out to me that I haven't been saying the word to paint a wall, but rather um, to pet. (laughs) I've been asking him, like, could you come pet my friend's apartment? (laughs) And this went on for a long time. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Um, there goes all of the egoism I just built up. It's all gone. (laughs) All right. What do you got? (laughs) So him and I love animals and we have a pond near our house that has swans and in German it's schwan. And so we're walking down the park and I said, oh, I can't wait to see the swans, which is ich möchte sehen the schwans. So what I did, which is add the S <laughs> As an English speaker, you add S to make plural. Well, if you add an S to schwan, it becomes schwans, which is penises of German. And so basically, I had said out loud, oh, I can't wait to see these penises. And my husband just, like, lost it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, I think the other one, I think it's just, like, more embarrassing is when I was getting my, trying on my wedding dress, I had really bad stomach issues that morning, like, horrible stomach issues, like, need to be by a bathroom at all times. 
And of course, that was the day of my final dress fitting. I'm like, crap, literally. <laughs> and so we go to the final fitting. And of course, everything's in German. And I felt confident enough to like tell her what I wanted and everything. But I was so nervous about like not crapping my beautiful white dress <laughs> that I she was talking to me and I just could not figure out what she was saying, even though I'm sure I could have. And I just start crying, oh, asking no. for, like asking to grab my husband because I was so stressed out about like not pooping in my gown. That I couldn't even concentrate on language at that point. Oh. So that was like one of the more embarrassing. And then obviously I was upset then because my husband had said about to see my wedding dress and it was just like a whole catastrophe mm. thing. And he was laughing. He's like, it's not that big of a deal. And I was like, if you're standing in a 1500 white dress telling me that I don't know how to say something because I'm too worried about, you know, not crapping in it, it's a big deal. Yeah. So Literally yeah. a scene from the movie Bridesmaids. <laughs> I do not want to do Bridesmaids Part 2. Yeah, no, exactly. No, yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect story to end on because it, that shows both things. Like right now, that's a super funny story to share. But also in the moment, it was not funny at all. It was super embarrassing and frustrating and, and in tears. And I think that's so much of this process. And, you know, this is an episode I'm doing in part because a couple people have asked about it. Whatever country they're living in, whatever language they're learning, this is a shared difficulty of not just the phys- like the literal how do I learn a language, but how do I just deal with learning a language? Because it's not easy. And I mean, I think that's all I can say is like, it's really hard. Let yourself cry as much as you need to. And it just really sucks. But try to find the humor in it when you can and at least know in those moments it's not funny now, but later it will be. It'll become a funny memory. It does get better. Just keep on keeping on. I I absolutely agree. I think anyone learning a new language, truly immersing themselves in a culture, like kudos to you. I didn't think it would be this hard and it's definitely been a very humbling experience for me to kind of go through cultural differences, language differences, saying something that I think would be a joke and in German and having them a not understand the context where I'm coming from, and then b probably not saying it correctly is can be an awkward situation to go through. So I mean, if, if you're kind of stuck in a rut and, and, and learning language and being in a foreign country, like it, it gets better. On that note, we are going to round the corner and head to home with our ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It is a rapid fire question round where I'm going to ask you three questions that you will answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just oh, no. go with your gut. You ready? ready? Okay, yes. All right. So picture this. It is the first day of the year when it's finally this beautiful, warm spring weather. You have the day free. What do you go do? We go to a park and drink wine and just sit in the sun. All right. So you go to a German bakery. What do you get? What's your what's your bread of choice? Oh, okay. First of all, I'm getting a chocolate croissant to go. Oh, but then yeah. I'm getting the whitest bread possible. I do not prescribe to the hard brown bread that Germans eat. No, thank you. I'm Whoa. still white bread all the way. Give me that soft shit. That's a hot take. That is a hot take. Do you buy the American bread in the grocery store? <laughs> oh, man, that's embarrassing. Um, yes, I will go to Aldi. Yes, I will buy the sliced bread in the plastic bag. Wow. Yes. Bold. <laughs> okay and finally what is your favorite way to say goodbye in german this bald <laughs> cute this bald i learned i was saying this bald and it literally means like see you soon like actually seeing you soon which americans would just say like 
as I'll see you later. Mm -hmm. But that truly means the Germans, like, I will be seeing you within, like, the next hours. And so I've been saying it incorrectly, which, whatever, at this point, but yeah. Yeah, at some points, I just claim my mistakes, and I'm like, no, it's my thing. I do this. I know it's wrong, but I just do it. (laughs) Or I mean, insulin up, which is, like, the perfect combination of, like, dad humor, American slang, and... German, I say Bischweta alligator. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, okay, so if people would like to find you and follow along in your German learning journey and your living in Germany journey, where can they find you? Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at Casey from Cologne. Uh, Casey, C-A-S-E-Y from and then Cologne, the English spelling way. So C-O-L-O-G-N-E. Perfect. Thank you so very much for coming on the show. This was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. And I love hearing other people's experiences, the highs, lows of learning a language because it's definitely a team effort. One last thank you to Casey for coming onto the expat cast. Fun fact, Casey and I were actually going to meet. I was going on a trip around Easter to many German cities, including visiting her in Cologne. And I was so excited for that part of things. Of course, that whole trip didn't happen due to coronavirus, but Casey will meet one day soon. Casey and I connected through Instagram. So if you're not following the expat cast already on Instagram, you should go ahead and do so. You can also follow us on Twitter, also at The Expat Cast. As always, I appreciate every rating and review that you can leave. One really cool thing going on right now is that the website Podchaser is doing this thing where they donate a certain amount of money per review that gets left on another podcast and per review that gets commented on by the podcaster. So if you leave me a review, I promise I will respond to it and then we're doubling that donation amount. I'll link to my Podchaser page in the show notes. Thursday, we'll be back in your feeds with another episode. This one will be about creative clarity as an expat. Until then, have a great week. Stay healthy and stay safe. This done. Tschüss.